I was uh, choking on something, and I gagged too. There was tubes in my nose, in my throat. The sensors were beeping all around me. I had no idea where I was. I couldn't move anything on my body. But my eyes worked. And I could see my father in the corner of the room, bags under his eyes, hadn't shaved. You could tell he'd been under duress. The first words out of my mouth, how did I do in the game? After a long pause, my father spoke through tired eyes. Son, you didn't play. You broke your neck. That's when I realized I had died. That's when I realized my dreams were shattered. But that's when I came alive to my deep need for purpose. My name is Micah McKelvin, and as your pastor said, I have the privilege of serving alongside over 500 team members that are right now advancing the gospel and serving the poorest people on planet Earth, both in Africa and in Haiti. And so on behalf of my family, myself, my team, we're so thankful for this missional faith family, and I am so incredibly glad to be with you here in Carmel today. Whether you're tuned in online or whether you're here in the room, doesn't it feel good to be in church? If you're online, we want to encourage you, if you can, as soon as you can, get into the house, but we're so glad you're tuned in. Whether you're here or there, just take a moment, turn to your neighbor, and just let them know it's good to see them in church today. All right, uh, in that coffee shop on the other side of the camera or sitting on your couch, you may or may not have had a neighbor. But here, many of y'all had two neighbors, two choices. And I don't know why you chose one person over the, over the other. But you got to turn to your second choice now. And you got to say, they really let anybody in church these days. <laughs> so this is my first time here at Mercy Road. And, and I know your pastor, love your pastor. Uh, but naturally, I don't know many of you. And while that is the case, I still know that we, we at least have two things in common. Uh, so first, you and I both love your pastor. We love your missional heart. We love the strategy of the church, the whole idea that you want to connect people far from God to a passionate relationship with Jesus. That's why this place is a hospital, not a museum. Hey, faith family, will you just join me? Let's give a round of applause. Let's thank your pastor pastoral staff, elders. But we also have something else in common. I know, or at least I bet, that you, like me, want to live a meaningful life. You and I were actually wired by God to walk a purpose-filled path. But there's a problem. A wide road sits before each of us, and it begs us to waste our lives. And the sad truth is, most people walk into the grave void of purpose. But you're different, right? You are here today because you want to live a life that matters. And I'm here to spur you on. So today, the, the plan is to share some encouraging story, 
but two truths from God's word and a talk we'll call Dying for Purpose. So grab your pen and your pad, get those note-taking devices out, turn to that second choice and tell them they better take notes. Let's, let's rock and roll. Let's go. So good times often follow bad moments, right? The warmth of dawn follows the chill of night. And in similar fashion, this morning's challenge, this morning's word, I want to admit up front, it's going to start just a little bit heavy, but, but hang on. Tune in to the end. Good's coming. Thought one. Truth one. Death precedes purpose. To shoot you incredibly straight, your plan for your life produces death. Here's how he says it in the Proverbs. He says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. In the New Testament, when Jesus would teach, he would oftentimes use imagery that made sense in the day, right? He would pull illustrations from the farm because they were in an agricultural society. And trying to help this exact truth, this principle, land with the people of the day, he actually got at it this way. And drawing from the farm, he says this, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. You see, for a seed to truly live, it must first die. It's counterintuitive, isn't it? But if we look on the farm, we get it. Right, that seed, if it lives unto itself, if it refuses to go through a dying process, it will dry out, it will wither away, and its life will end with itself. But if the seed is buried in the soil, covered by earth, goes through a dying process, then it can germinate, and life can come from it. And Jesus' message through the seed is a message that he speaks to his people. And it's simply this, a life dedicated to self ends with self. And yet we live in a society that says, do you? And I was all about me. My gain, my life, my glory, my way. If I were to sum up my personal aspirations back then, I would use two words, assets and accolades, right? I wanted the money. I wanted to live the American dream, but I wanted the glory. I wanted the fame to go with it. And my ticket was ball. Loved me some sports. Loved me some ball. How many athletes? I know we had a big day yesterday. How many athletes or maybe has-beens like me or former athletes? How many of y'all love some ball in the house today? Any, anybody love some ball? Okay. Well, man, I grew up playing them all. Played quarterback, free safety, pitch, played shortstop, played point guard. Really couldn't get away from it. My father was athletic director, head football and head basketball coach. Did I tell anybody I love some ball? <laughs> man, I wanted to be a light-skinned Deion Sanders. I wanted to go pro, and it's like prime time plus one. I wanted to go pro in three. 
They told me it wasn't possible, but I said, we'll figure a way. And my father, he could see that over time, this, this love for a game had become idolatry. And after a practice, he came up to me and he said, son, life isn't about a game. God has made you on purpose for his purpose. And success is selling out to God's plan for your life. Great advice, right? What offended me. And it also crystallized an internal tension. And it initiated a wrestling match. And one night before a big football game, I'm battling with God. And about 2 a.m., I stand up in my room and I say, God, this is my life. Just leave me alone. Not too long after that, we went down to do something we had learned to love on the West Coast. Living out in Cali, I'd picked up surfing, but now we lived in Florida. And out there, we have this big pond. It's kind of a placid lake. It's called the Gulf of Mexico. I don't know if you all have heard of it, right? But you can't ride a lot of waves out there if you're a surfer until the hurricanes come in. And so when the storms, they settle in, they kick up some surf. And so my brother and I, we said, hey, great time to ride some waves. So we went down to the beach. And so being competitive, we were always racing, and there was huge beach break that day. And so we were racing, and I went running down the beach as fast as I could, and I'm trucking, and I timed this, this swell that had reformed. And just before it crashed on the beach, I ran, and I threw my body into it, and I hit that wave like I had 100 times before, only this time when I hit it, something happened. It was like a shock just raced through my body. Instinctively, I knew to lay still, but the momentum of the dive kind of carried me through the water. And I remember just kind of being like groggy, like something's off. And I was kind of laying there, and the next wave, it rolled me over. And I could see the surface. I could see the air. But when I tried to get up, my body wouldn't work. Panic just races through my veins. My lungs begin to scream for breath. I'm underwater. I can see the surface. I can't move. In a last-ditch effort, I put my lips together, but instead of catching air, I sucked in water, and I passed out. My brother had seen me dive in. He went to get the football. He was waiting for me to come out, and after a few moments passed, he actually walked to the very place where I dove in, looked right out in the water, nothing. I was caught in a long, short current, so my body was pulled under and down. He thinks I'm playing a joke, so he actually leaves the place where I dove in, begins to look in the bushes, and every second that passes, I'm dying. My parents had dropped us off, parked the car. They make their way down. They find my brother frantic, and then a mother's worst nightmare. My mom, she hit the beach and began to scream at the top of her lungs. God, don't take my son. God, don't take my son. A stranger was 150 yards down the beach, standing in a slack pool of water, and he was lifting a hand on a corpse. My father ran down, scooped my body out of the surf, no heartbeat, no pulse, it was blue, I'd flatlined. My brother got my mom up, they ran to the nearest house, called 911, and y'all know the stories. EMT, defibrillator, resuscitation, life flight, I don't remember much of the first week, but I remember choking on something, and I gagged too. Tubes in my nose, in my throat, sensors beeping all around me. That's when I realized I had died. That's when I realized my dreams were shattered. But that's when I came alive to my deep need 
for purpose. You see, truth of the matter is, is my lust for my life, my way, it needed to die. And Jesus knew that long before I did. And he had spoken a word to his disciples that rings true for you and I today. When he very clearly said in Matthew, if you try to hang on to your life, your will, your way, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. You see, the question for us is simply, God, what in my life needs to die? And the only posture that makes sense before the one who spoke life into existence, before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, before the sovereign God who reigns over time, space, and season, before the one who holds the world in the palm of his hands, the only posture that makes sense is surrender. Have your way in me, O God. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The takeaway here for us is simply this. Let life's author write your script. You see, when we die to ourselves and begin to rise to his purposes, that's when it gets magical. That's when it gets beautiful. That's when we enter the abundant life. That's when we begin to truly live because the second truth is equally true. Yes, death precedes purpose, but purpose produces life. Purpose produces life. This is exactly where Jesus was going with his illustration in John 12. It was a life-giving word. You see, a kernel of wheat does have to fall into the ground and die, but if it does, he says, its death will what? Produce Produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of what? Life, new lives. You see, we exchange our plan, which leads to death, for his purpose, which produces life. Good trade. How many of y'all are married to healthy spouses? Healthy spouse club? Anybody, here, anybody in here, the healthy spouse? Well, that wasn't me and my family. Um, my bride, my best friend, love her to death. I came into the marriage, you know, on pine, eating pine, or pardon me, I came into the marriage, you know, drinking that Mountain Dew, eating that Reese's, right, pounding those Snicker bars, right? That was my diet, right? My bride, she came in eating pine nuts and tree bark. I mean, I think she was a naturalist before they created the term, like, just think uber healthy, and then you move to the right a little bit, and then you got my bride, right? So when we had kids, they, they were growing up on the seaweed and kale, and you know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so I'm obviously naturally just running that play and just walking along the love of my life, right? Actually, I got a picture of my crew. My bride is up on the screen. My best friend, she is unbelievable. Love my wife, Audrey. After 10 years of marriage, uh, we had our first, and then we had our livid little grace gift. So our little 
given Gracia. She is three years old. And then our little peace arrow, Arrow Amani, he is actually six. And so speaking of Arrow and this whole food plan thing, one day I decided, you know what? I'm, a, I'm the man of the household, right? I mean, I should at least have some say in the food plan. And so with, with, with this sense of boldness that came over me, I mean, I, I, I boldly marched into the kitchen. And I see Arrow, he's sitting at the table. And so with command in my voice, I look at Arrow. And I boldly proclaim, shh, daddy's got something for you. It's called a Twinkie. (laughs) And he said, no. Which goes to prove the point. Stuck on his plan, he missed daddy's good gift. <laughs> How often do we settle for familiar and miss God's best? How often do we endlessly pursue our plan and miss God's purpose? Exchanging your plan for his dream. His purpose isn't sacrifice. It's smart. Purpose produces life. Life, our life, our breath, our existence, and our purpose were meant to coexist, to be so intertwined. And this is what we see in the heroes of old as we look into the scriptures, right? We know Noah, right? A man who heard from God, and walked out God's calling, and his purpose, what? He built the ark, saved humanity. We move forward, and we see David listening. Perfect? No, but a man after God's own heart, desiring to do God's will, and God restoring the kingdom through him, setting up a dynasty that would live on and would bring the justice of God for years. We see Solomon hearing from God, desiring to tune himself into the wisdom of God, and then God birthing through him the building of the temple and the setting up of a worship system that would last for thousands of years. We move into the New Testament, and we see this connection, inextricable links between purpose and life. We see it in Paul. Paul, on fire, sold out, constantly living breathing and moving for the purpose for which he was here. And that's why we hear him make that connection so emphatically in Acts. Look at what he says. Paul says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for purpose. Finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus Christ. This same tone comes from Paul inspired by the Spirit in Romans. He says, Give yourselves completely to God. Purpose. Life dialed into purpose. For you were what? You were dead. But now you have new what? Life. So use your whole body, your life, as an instrument to do your purpose, to do what is right for the glory of God. Christ's death saves our soul. God's purpose fuels our lives. And I had to die to come alive to the very thing he wanted me to see from the beginning. But when he had my attention, all of a sudden, my heart was tuned in. 
and I began to hear what he'd always been speaking. I began to see in God's word and hear from Jesus how Jesus said he came to seek and to save the lost. And then he calls the found to join him on mission. Go make disciples in all nations. I began to see God's heart for the poor. Over 2,000 times in the word of God, there are calls from him to his people to care for the poor, to care for the marginalized, to care for those that lack justice, to stand up for our neighbor. I began to see God's heart for both the lost and the poor. But then all bets were off. My world would change because for the first time in my life, I encountered what's called extreme poverty. Will you bow your head for a moment? Just close your eyes. I want to try to take you to a place that is impossible to go, but I want to help you see it just a little bit. Imagine what your life would look like if you were trying to survive on less than $1.90 a day. What would your budget consist of? What would your home look like? What would your neighborhood look like? Go ahead and look up. Welcome to extreme poverty. Over 700 million human beings, beautiful men and women, boys and girls, created in the image of God, no less important to him as my son is to me, are trapped in what's called extreme poverty, surviving on less than $1.90 a day. I'll never forget, I was working on a master's in counseling when I felt the Lord lead me to take some time and spend it over Christmas break in East Africa. And I stayed for a month, lived in people's shanties, stayed in a missionary home. And all of a sudden, the statistics, they began to become names and faces. I went to a lady's house named Velma. Her entire home, maybe 12 by 14, dirt floor, all their earthly belongings in that single room, 12 people sleeping there each night. I look at Velma and I say, how is that actually physically possible? She says, my sister died of AIDS. My brother died of AIDS. We took in their kids. So my husband and I, we sleep in this soiled bed in the corner of the room. One child to the right, one child to the left, one child lays across our feet. She points to this makeshift table, this rickety old table across the dirt floor. And she says, we lay three kids across this table each night. She leans over and she points to this bench, this old torn piece of wood along the tin siding. And she says, the rest of the kids sleep arms crossed and we rotate because the bed is the best night's sleep. And I walked out of Velma's home into this greater community and poverty became personal. And I knew that I was gonna spend the rest of my life trying to forget what I saw or spend the rest of my life trying to do something about it. And wrestling in that tension wanting to align my life with what God says matters forever. Purpose entered in. And so my story is obviously different. All of our stories are different. But I ended up coming back and I dropped out of school and I lived in my car for eight months. And during that eight-month period, God granted us a nonprofit. We assembled a board. We crystallized the vision. And I actually moved back to Africa and got to live amongst these beautiful people for over a year. Didn't take a hot shower for a year, ate on a dollar fifty a day. And our whole deal was to build this center. What if we could create a place, a hub of hope 
in the middle of abject poverty and there participate in social, spiritual, and economic impact, right? Social, water, food, education, health services, economic, small business creation, but spiritual, life-on-life discipleship using the relevant tool of sport, connecting with people right where they're at and helping them connect with the God who's always loved them. And by the grace of God, missional church partners like yours gave us resources and this vision came into reality. And as we sit here today, hundreds of thousands of people are experiencing physical and spiritual life because God is on mission and because real life is tied to purpose and because purpose produces life. And we are watching a move of God. We're watching people in unreached places be exposed to the hope of Jesus Christ. And it takes people like you and churches like Mercy Road who say, we're not just gonna clock in and clock out. We're not gonna just end our days having lived for ourselves. We're gonna make a difference. We're gonna impact our cities. We're gonna impact our state. We're gonna impact our Judea. But we're also gonna mobilize and go to the ends of the earth. Purpose produces life. And your pastor, I actually met him in the middle of the thick of COVID. And not knowing all that would happen here and not knowing all that would happen with the vision for Mercy Road, it was there that he began to say, one day we're gonna walk together even more closely. And I want you to know that missional churches like yours who choose to stay on mission are the reason why life-giving impact has been happening around the world. And one of the greatest and the more, and the, one of the most challenging wor- uh, seasons that we have faced, this is what happened through missional churches like yours to care for the hurting and the lost. 56 million cups of cold water served last year alone. Two point, or two, 254,000 people received health services. 1.8 million people receiving meals. And by the grace of Jesus Christ, a million people hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Purpose produces life. You may say, you may say, but I don't know that I'm called to go to Africa. And I would respond to you, you very well may not be. But the same is true for your pastor. The same is true for me. The same is true for you. God designed you. He wired you for purpose. There is a difference to be made through you that can only come by you. And it's for you and I to lean into him, to sell out to his plan and allow his good work to flow in and through us into a world around us. I encourage you and I submit to you today that life is a vapor. It's too short to live disconnected from purpose. I want to encourage you with a a simple takeaway here. Live a life that outlives this life. At the end of the day, God invites you and I to come alive to the very thing we're all dying for, purpose. And this God looked at our rebellious hearts, 
saw us running from him and chose to give himself so that we could know him. And as we round out our time this morning, I just want to encourage two groups that are gathered, two groups that are tuning in this morning. Some of you are here this morning and you are in relationship with Jesus. You're in covenant with this faith family. And I want to say, I am so glad that I get to meet you and so glad that I get to speak into this faith family today. But today is more than likely a shot in the arm for you. And so I leave you with this simple word of encouragement. You have one life. It's like a vapor. So run hard and stay the course. Well done rests on the backside of the pathway filled with purpose. But maybe you're here today, or maybe you're tuning in, and this Jesus thing, this church thing, you're not sure. Maybe you've had a a bad past with the church, or or maybe it's just brand new to you. You're kind of kicking the tires. And so I first want to just say on behalf of your pastor and this faith family, we're so incredibly glad you're here this morning. Keep coming. This is a safe place for you. But I also want to submit to you that today you're at a crossroads. And there's a path before you. And at the trailhead of that path stands a cross. And the one who hung and died on it, he did so on purpose. He did so for a purpose. For you. For God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And he said, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so today, I invite you to run to the one who has been running after you. I invite you to surrender your life to the one who created you and loved you and has paid the very price for you to be connected to God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. In a moment, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to invite you to pray with me. And with no one looking around, I'm giving you a safe place. But I personally would love to know who I'm praying with. And so if you're here today and you're ready to give your life to Jesus, I would ask that you just slip up your hand. I would love to pray with you. Just slide your hand up. Anyone here today? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Praise God. Anyone else? Run to Jesus. Relent to him. He loves you. Anyone else you want to give your life to Jesus today? No magical words. It's a life fully surrendered to him. But let me lend some to you. Pray something like this. God, I acknowledge my need for you. I confess my sin before you. I believe that you died on the cross and you rose again. 
And today I give my life to you. I turn from my way and I choose to follow you. Hey, faith family, the Bible says when one comes to Jesus, that heaven throws a mad bash. Let's put our hands together and let's praise God. You have a wonderful faith family. Your journey has just begun. So plug in, do life in community. I encourage you, follow Jesus with your whole heart. Well, hey, thank you for your kind attention. Uh, If you'd like to connect with us and hear stories in an ongoing fashion, there's a couple handles up on the screen. As Pastor Josh said earlier, a documentary has been released uh, that is very encouraging. It's called Alive to Live. So if you follow me at Mike and McKelvin on Instagram, you can go onto the bio link and you can access that for free. Also, as Pastor also mentioned up front, we have a book coming out. Officially, it drops December 10th. But we actually told our team, okay, we're, gonna, we're silently making the link go on, online today. So no one else knows it but you all. And so you can actually get that book online. Go, go to dyingforpurpose.com. And I want you to know all the proceeds actually go to Vapor Ministries. I don't get anything out of it. But the stories are not only kind of what you heard today, but, but there's a stoning in Africa. Not a stoning, right? But a stoning, stoning. Uh, homelessness, drowning. Uh, is actually stabbed by alleged KKK members. It's a wild journey of some crazy things. And what it'll do is it'll help encourage you in your journey to overcome the trials that you face. And it'll help encourage people to walk out their purpose. So make that available to you today. Hey, pastor, love you. Faith family, love you. Thanks for having me.